Hear the word of our Lord from the Gospel of St. Matthew, the 23rd chapter, beginning in the first verse. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, The scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat, so practice and observe whatever they tell you, but not what they do. For they preach but do not practice. They tie up heavy burdens hard to bear and lay them on people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. They do all their deeds to be seen by others, for they make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long, and they love the place of honor at feasts and the best seats in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplace and being called a rabbi by others. But you are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher, and you are all brothers. And call no man your father on earth, for you have one father who is in heaven. Neither be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Christ. The greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces, for you neither enter yourselves nor allow those who would enter to go in. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you travel across sea and land to make a single proselyte, and when he becomes a proselyte, you make him twice as much a child of hell as yourselves. Woe to you, blind guides, who say, if anyone swears by the temple, it is nothing. But if anyone swears by the gold of the temple, he is bound by his oath. You blind fools! For which is greater, the gold or the temple that has made the gold sacred? And you say, if anyone swears by the altar, it is nothing. But if anyone swears by the gift that is on the altar, he is bound by his oath. You blind men, for which is greater the gift or the altar that makes the gift sacred? For whoever swears by the altar swears by it and by everything on it. And whoever swears by the temple swears by it and by him who dwells in it. And whoever swears by heaven swears by the throne of God and by him who sits upon it. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you tithe, mint, and dill, and cumin, and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice, and mercy, and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. You blind guides straining out a gnat and swallowing a camel. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and the plate, that the outside also may be clean. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you build the tombs of the prophets and decorate the monuments of the righteous, saying, If we had lived in the days of our fathers, we would not have taken part with them in shedding the blood of the prophets. Thus you witness against yourselves that you are sons of those who murdered the prophets. Fill up then the measure of your fathers. You serpents, you brood of vipers, how are you to escape being sentenced to hell? 
Therefore I send you prophets and wise men and scribes, some of whom you will kill and crucify, and some you will flog in your synagogues and persecute from town to town, so that on you may come all the righteous blood shed on earth, from the blood of innocent Abel to the blood of Zechariah, the son of Barakiah, whom you murdered between the sanctuary and the altar. Truly, I say to you, all these things will come upon this generation." O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you would not. See, your house is left to you desolate. For I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. This is the gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Let's talk hypocrisy. Because I am of the firm opinion that the world loves hypocrisy. Not only is it fun to engage in when you get to say one thing and do another, it's also a convenient everyman sin that just about everybody you can point the finger to and say they are a hypocrite. At least according to the world's definition of hypocrisy, which is say one thing do another thing that violates the first thing you said. Imagine a man telling everybody that, I don't know, adultery is wrong, but then he's cheating on his wife. He is caught with another woman, and everybody wags their fingers and goes, ha ha, hypocrite. What's the point of that? What really is the point of doing that? Because non-believers celebrate whenever a religious leader is caught in an act of hypocrisy. If a pastor is the guy preaching against adultery and then it turns out that he is engaged in adultery, the world, they smile. They are so happy to see somebody falling because, of course, it means that they are somehow justified in their own sins. Like, I never really hear somebody say, oh, that man is a hypocrite. I better watch myself. I could fall into the same sin. <laughs> No, no, no. That would be biblical. That would be what St. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Let everyone take heed if he thinks he stands, lest he fall. But we don't do that, do we? No, we smirk. We smuckle. We smugly chuckle at this failure of a human being caught in their hypocrisy. And suddenly we feel justified in everything we do. Because after all, if this moral authority fell then um, who's going to judge me? Everybody falls prey to these temptations, and I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. Unless, of course, this person was already designated as an enemy. Oh, how dare they? I hate what they did. They were already somebody that I disagreed with, but now I get to be really super righteous feeling because that guy who said he's against corruption was found stealing from his office, and I hate that group anyway. Uh, look, everybody, I'm a great person, and I'm not even close to a hypocrite because I don't do what he did. You should all vote for me in the election instead of that other guy who's a filthy, dirty hypocrite. At least, with these two vectors, whether it's triumphalism and laughing at somebody caught in sin, 
or if it is using hypocrisy to virtue signal about how great you are and how earnest and integral you are, how full of integrity that you constantly are. And I know it's a hard burden, but you are definitely just so, oh my goodness, you are the epitome of integrity. So brave. Whether it's one or the other, that's how the world views it. Because the world is morally bankrupt and does not understand how our Lord Jesus speaks of what it really means when somebody is a hypocrite. If we were to go with the world's definition of somebody who says one thing and then does another that violates that first thing, then the word hypocrite is meaningless. It is absolutely 100% meaningless. Because everybody is so hypocritical in their character that there is no, well, there's no use in condemning it. It's like saying you breathe. Oh, man, that guy breathes. Well, so does everybody else. What's special about that? Oh, an Alcoholics Anonymous chapter leader struggles with alcohol use? Duh. Why do you think he's there? Oh, somebody out there in the purity movement is trying to get people on NoFap, get them to stop watching pornography, and then the hacker finds his internet history or his cache or whatever, and oh, he's been on Pornhub. Yeah, he's struggling with it. Why do you think he's in there? Of course. Duh. Everybody is a hypocrite. If I say stealing is wrong and then I absentmindedly take something that I know I shouldn't take if I really thought about it, that doesn't make me a hypocrite. Because otherwise, again, everybody is so hypocritical that it's worthless to say such a thing. We are sinners. We all make moral judgments. We all, at one point or another, violate our own moral judgments. And it is pointless to say that you should be so careful about what you say and then what you do, asking yourself whether or not you are being a hypocrite with every single ethical decision you make, it's impossible. It's not worth it. I mean, under that rubric, look, I'm a hypocrite. You're a hypocrite. We all are. It's meaningless. Especially because it doesn't identify a single real sin here. I guess it's just attitude that I dislike or turn of actions that I dislike that I can use to look like a better person. Is that really what hypocrisy is, though? Is that really what it is? Well, somebody might point to the New Testament, to the Greek, and say, well, no, no, no. A hypocrite in the Greek is more about mask wearer. Somebody who identifies, who publicly shows themselves as being someone great and righteous, but on the inside... They are not. They are full of ulterior motives. They are full of something dastardly. And it doesn't have to be a direct violation of something they said. It is about what they are presented as publicly versus what they really are. Now that, that's hypocrisy. That is most definitely hypocrisy. It's not talking about secret sins. It's not talking about something you're embarrassed to bring up in a discussion on morals, so you skip over it and you go to confession in private. No. This is about who you present to be versus who you really are. It's an identifier. In our reading for today in Matthew chapter 23, what does our Lord Jesus say? He says, the scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat 
So practice and observe whatever they tell you. Oh yeah, they do have religious authority. After all, they went to seminary, right? They have their doctorate. They have that really shiny piece of paper there. Oh my goodness, the framing on that. Mwah. And every degree they have. These are some smart guys that can tell you what the word means. Correct? Well, maybe so. But he says, do not do what they do. Observe whatever they tell you, but not what they do. For they preach, but do not practice. They tie up heavy burdens hard to bear and lay them on people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. Now here is where it sounds like we're saying, oh yes, Jesus agrees with the world's definition of hypocrisy. Practice what you preach or else you are a hypocrite. But here's the thing. This is what the Pharisees and the Sadducees and all these dweebs out there were really doing. They knew the law. And they knew how to preach the law on people, but at the same time, they would build fences around the law to make sure that you could not break it. Think of it as a paralysis machine, just freezing everybody. You're not supposed to work on the Sabbath, but here is what is work and what is not work. So you can get away with some things done on the Sabbath, you can't get away with other things done on the Sabbath. This was everywhere, of course. And meanwhile, the Pharisees lived this nice, cushy life as academics and as teachers where it was incredibly easy for them to stay outside of the fence of the law. There you go. Super easy. They didn't have to lift a finger, but for the average individual who has a harder life, who has a manual job, who is a soldier that might get called up to service on a Saturday or might be told, eat this, and it's made of something that, ooh, we don't know what kind of meat that is. It could be made out of pork or maybe it'll have a bit of shellfish in it. Oh my goodness, they have it harder than the people who are teaching it to them. It does not automatically mean that the Pharisees and the scribes secretly broke the law, although they did have a fun way of twisting it to get around the parts of the law that they didn't like. They were in a life position where they could keep doing it. They could do exactly what the law required according to their own interpretations after all they interpreted. Now, we keep going here. They do all their deeds to be seen by others. Oh, there is a public-facing element to Christ's condemnation of the Pharisees and the scribes. They make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long and they love the place of honor at feasts and in the best seats in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplace and being called rabbi by others. Now, of course, we don't know anybody like that in today's world, do we? We certainly don't know any Lutheran pastors or theologians that act like this, that just love public confirmation of their status as theologian, or, oh, reverend, or maybe even bishop. I heard that word coming back recently, even in uh, groups that don't have bishops. I've been hearing a lot of this sort of thing, and I'm wondering how many of these people have the exact same spirit as the Pharisees and the scribes. Oh, they love being called all sorts of terms. I remember a pastor telling me, you know, I loved working in X city here where the Germans in the congregation called me Vater. They called me Vader for father. 
It was so great. I'm sure. I'm sure you loved that. But what does Jesus tell us? You are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher, and you are all brothers. And call no man your father on earth, for you have one father who is in heaven. Neither be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Christ. The greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Do you see much humble activity coming from many of our teachers today? Or how about laying heavy burdens that they themselves won't lift? Because they don't have to, you see. The documents that we see where it says, because of the gospel, you have to do this. And don't tell me that I'm confusing law and gospel by saying the gospel is laying a burden on you. It's neoliberal morality that I am reinforcing here with what I'm saying about the gospel. You're not allowed to notice things. You're not allowed to recognize patterns. You're not allowed to have a decent heuristic for your behavior to keep you and your family safe because I, in my nice community, full of people that are very peaceful, we would never have to deal with that. So I'm just going to call you names and threaten to kick you out of my churches. Does that sound very familiar? And they couch it in such lovely terms as the gospel. Much in the same way, many of the leaders in Christ's day, the Pharisees would say it was based on God's word and his law. And after all, God delivered us from Egyptian slavery and he can deliver us from Roman servitude. But it's all about God's word and God's law. We're going to keep that in mind. <laughs> while they're shackling you and uh, putting you right there in the paralysis machine, making your life excruciatingly hard. So Jesus tells everybody that would be a leader, whoever exalts himself will be humbled and whoever humbles himself will be exalted because if you are in an exalted position in this world, how can you relate to the difficulties that other people go through? And if they all treat you as this great holy man who deserves all this respect because you demand it, because you have to do it, because that's the nature of the job, you see. You get to wear the funny hat and you're on top. How could you possibly be a holy and humble man? So then Jesus says that magic word, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. For you neither enter yourselves nor allow those who would enter to go in. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you travel across sea and land to make a single proselyte. And when he becomes a proselyte, you make him twice as much a child of hell as yourselves. See, now the hypocrite here, as Jesus describes them, is not necessarily violating his own moral strictures. Oh no, not at all. Because here he is saying, you shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces, you neither enter yourselves nor allow those who would enter to go in. Isn't that funny? They're not being hypocrites according to the world. They're being hypocrites because they are presenting this as the way to go to heaven. But then they shut it up. And of course, they're consistent. They don't go in either. They preached works. They tried works. I wonder if any Lutheran teachers today do the same thing by damning all of their ancestors for having unpopular opinions today. And then, of course, 
while the Pharisees, what they were doing was teaching people works-based righteousness and teaching them all sorts of horrible things that will never get you into heaven, so too have I noticed quite a few Lutheran preachers basically giving us psychotherapy-styled sermons. Sermons that maybe they tell you that Jesus heals your boo-boos, but that's beside the point to salvation because they're so busy anathematizing their ancestors and unpopular Lutherans that they've shut the kingdom of heaven out to those who would be justified by faith. Kind of constructing a works-based salvation. You know, you're saved by grace through faith in our Lord Jesus Christ alone unless you disagree with me on public policy and people groups and stuff like that. In that case, you need to do some works, mister, and clean up your act. I wonder if they're counted as hypocrites. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you travel across sea and land to make a single proselyte, and when he becomes a proselyte, you make him twice as much a child of hell as yourselves. Oh, they're missional. They're doing evangelism. They're going into places where people are marginalized, don't you see? And they're teaching them how to do all the right stuff and believe all the right good Lutheran, sorry, Pharisaical doctrine of today. I mean, back then. <laughs> and the more these people are converted, the more they take their priors and add them to everything the Pharisees are teaching. And then suddenly everything gets worldly and evil and ugly because it has added their false doctrine to their ugly pagan ways. I wonder if any of these proselytes immediately turned around and started saying that they needed to fill all the synagogues with only people that looked like them and kicked out the original people. Oh no. Oh no, I wonder if anybody does that today. Woe to you blind guides who say if anyone swears by the temple it is nothing, but if anyone swears by the gold of the temple he is bound by his oath. Or, when he swears by the altar, it is nothing, but if anybody swears by the gift that is on the altar, he is bound by his oath. Now, this is the same Jesus that tells us not to swear. Just let your yes be yes and your no, no. But here they are, finding fun ways to get around the commands of God. Now, I wonder if there are any Lutherans telling us that we should not emphasize the third use of the law. I wonder if there's any Lutheran teachers here who would tell you you shouldn't be one of those yucky pietists that wants to please God with everything he does. Oh man, I wonder if there's people that do that so they can get away with having actually heretical opinions or sinful lifestyles or to justify not condemning people who do engage in gross, egregious, inexcusable sin. Maybe we shouldn't think about that too much. Remember, our Lord Jesus here is establishing a hypocrite as essentially, in the religious context, a false believer. Somebody who preaches righteousness, who dots all their I's, crosses all their T's, they mind their P's and Q's in public. But meanwhile, their actual teachings and their actual motives are far different and very much orthogonal to what they are supposed to be doing and preaching. You know, because they have secret agendas and ulterior motives that they don't want really getting out there. And they, they don't want you starting to act or think like them. They need you to be a good boy. Hence this next thing our Lord Jesus says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! 
for you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others, you blind guides straining out a gnat and swallowing a camel. Oh man, they're so dedicated to the law, you see, that they're willing to tithe every little bit of every single thing they do, right down to the seeds of their crops. But they're not actually seeking virtue. What's virtue ethics? Would there be a Lutheran virtue, sorry, sorry, a Pharisaic virtue ethics? Is that something maybe, maybe we should be doing here? Because Jesus says mercy, faithfulness, justice, those are important. Or maybe they have an idea where they talk about justice. They talk about justice in a very familiar way. Almost like you could get the exact same message from TV and Twitter and YouTube and just about every other media outlet. Hmm. But it's not the biblical sort of justice. It's not, at least it's not nearly all of it, right? But taking one thing and focusing on it, ad nauseum, talking about it, setting up uh, social media accounts that are infamous, controversial, but they really hit home why, <laughs> why everybody needs to focus on this one minute aspect of justice and then ignore the whole. Oh, we should have the, the best construction on things and maybe not notice that such people end up condemning their entire denomination for looking the wrong way or being comprised of the wrong people. But, you know, that sounds pretty first century to me, but uh, we continue. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and the plate, that the outside also may be clean. I wonder if there's anybody who presents as a capital O, Orthodox, capital L, uh, sorry, Pharisee out there today, who they look so great. They've got letters next to their name. They've got reverend, so it says rev, maybe it says THD on it, and they look great. And they say Bible stuff. Oh my goodness, it's so great. But then, um, you know, on the down low, they do some messed up stuff to people that they don't like. I wonder if there's anybody like that today. Hmm. And I wonder if they, they go in theological circles where, generally speaking, they would agree with me on a lot of theology. Uh, I digress. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Nobody like that today. I'm sure none of us know any of that, especially when it comes to lawlessness. Not actually following the commands of our Lord but looking really holy and wearing a stole and an alb while you do it. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you build the tombs of the prophets and decorate the monuments of the righteous, saying, if we had lived in the days of our fathers, we would not have taken part with them in shedding the blood of the prophets. Thus you witness against yourselves that you are sons of those who murdered the prophets. Fill up then the measure of your fathers. I wonder... There are people so busy condemning everything their ancestors believed that, and, and I'm talking about maybe today, people who are so intent on doing this that they actually end up identifying 
with the opponents of biblical Christianity. As much as they want to say that they're Christians, they hate old Christians so stinking much, you see. They're so opposed to them in all of their wicked, bigoted, evil ways that these people would probably have been, oh, I don't know, maybe Roman Catholic. Maybe they would be one of the angry atheist groups. Maybe they would have been part of the the groups out there that just outright killed Christians altogether. They seem to identify more with those people than with the people who, you know, built up the denomination and taught Bible. But, you know, Jesus is talking about Pharisees here, and he's talking about hypocrites as people with these ulterior motives that don't actually follow the faith. And, and I'm sure we can, we can really give a good word to people today that would never, ever engage in the same things and the same behaviors that were perpetrated against the people that they hate. Anyway, uh, you serpents, you brood of vipers, he says, how are you to escape being sentenced to hell? Therefore I send you prophets and wise men and scribes, some of whom you will kill and crucify, and some you will flog in your synagogues and persecute from town to town, so that on you may come all the righteous blood shed on earth, from the blood of innocent Abel to the blood of Zechariah, the son of Barakiah, whom you murdered between the sanctuary and the altar. Truly I say to you, all these things will come upon this generation. Oh, and certainly, it most certainly did. It did happen to the Pharisees. Rome happened. I wonder if that'll happen to anybody today who looks really holy and really righteous. And they're great symbols and personages of confessional Lutheranism, but you know, on the down low, they do really messed up stuff to people. And they really don't like being questioned. And they, they set up movements that look really righteous and maybe rebellious against the world in spite of agreeing with everything the world teaches. I wonder what God's going to do to those guys. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you would not. See, your house is left to you desolate. For I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. That's a great message to Lutheran, uh, sorry, Jerusalem, that they are going to decline and be destroyed until people say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, somebody who is actually there to do their job in ministry and teaching word and administering the sacraments. Seems to me that the spirit of the Pharisees is alive and well and nobody wants to recognize it, but oh well, nobody's going to do that. So we're all just going to wonder why Lutheranism is declining. Amen. And amen.